Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back. We've got some more answers for you today and we assume you've got some more questions for us. That's the way this program works and uh, we enjoy doing it that way because we know we're answering what you want us to talk about. Uh, a lot of religious programs on TV that uh, they decide what you ought to, ought to know, what they think you need to know, or what they think's good for them perhaps to tell you. Uh, but we've got a little different perspective here. We want you to know the Bible. We want you to get interested in studying the Bible. And so we'll answer whatever questions you've got about the Bible. Maybe there's something that you've always wondered about. Uh, maybe something your mommy and daddy told you that you always thought, I can't believe that's in the Bible. Well, we'll try to find it for you. We'll uh, discuss it with you and uh, tell you what the Bible has to say about just about any topic you can dream up. So that's the way we operate. Phone number, website on the screen all the time. Uh, you can use that any time of day or night and leave us a message if we're not around. Uh, we'll put it on the stack of questions and try to get to it just as quickly as we can. So that's what we do here, and we're ready to get started in just a second. We always start with a trivia question, and then my friend Toby will have some answers for us. Toby Levering's here. Good morning. Welcome back. How are you, Steve? I'm good. We're glad you're here and studied up and ready to go. Let's give our viewers a question first. Uh, what mother brought her son a coat each year? Uh, she, he didn't live with her. She, he lived somewhere else. Uh, but she took him a new coat every year. And that's a story in the Bible. We'll give you the answer to it at the end of the program. See if you and your family know it. All right, Toby, you drew number one, yep. so get us rolling here. A viewer asks, is someone is sick or elderly and cannot attend worship service, are they required to tithe? Well, some viewers um, uh, use the word tithe, and they kind of use that to mean should they give at all to their local church. Of course, tithe means 10%, and uh, that's a principle that we find both uh, commanded in the Old Testament and uh, alluded to in the New Testament. I, I just have a problem with the phraseology that you use, required to tithe. Um, tithing is something that is good for you. It's beneficial for you. Um, I, I suppose in the strictest sense, it's not required, uh, but I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't want to do it. Uh, it's not about meeting church budgets. It's not about checking off a list. It's not about uh, earning your way into heaven. God doesn't have a ledger up there to make sure you gave exactly 10%. It, 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 the principle is this. In Matthew 6:21, Jesus said, "Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." And so he understood if he could open up God's uh, people's hearts, then he could reach them and change them. There's something that happens. It's not magical or mis uh, mystical by any means, but when you give, uh, you're connect. You're you're taking a tangible thing like money, which is connected to your values. And it's changing you from the inside out. 
So uh, required in the strictest sense, probably not. Uh, I do think it is a, a good thing, a helpful thing, uh, something that changes you. It makes you a better disciple. It, it draws you nearer to the heart of God. I mean, think about the most well-known verse in the Bible, John chapter 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. See, our Lord is a giver. That's where his heart is. And so when we choose to give, it's not a matter of, of, of meeting a, a list. It's a matter of making our heart more closely to the Lord. So generosity just ought to be in the spirit, I believe, of all disciples. And we know that that was the case of the early Christians. They just gave. And, of course, today with uh, the Internet, you know, you can be a part of your local church and not necessarily be at the uh, location where they're conducting worship. You can watch it online, live stream it, podcast it, uh, and you can still support the work of the church uh, online or mailing a check or whatever. But that's not the point. The point is really making your heart closer to your Savior. So uh, hope that helps. We have a verse on the screen for you, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, <clears throat> verses 6 and 7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should, uh, should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's what bothered me about your using the word required. For God loves a cheerful giver. So I think, uh, just like Paul said, we ought to see to it not only that we give, but that we grow in the grace of giving, and so we become more like Jesus. All right, let me <coughs> put just one more little different spin on that. I think the viewer meant exactly what you meant. If they can't ever get to church, if they're yep. sick, they're shut in, they're elderly, yep. and you're saying, yeah, you ought to still want to give. <laughs> uh, but maybe they meant, what if you're sick this week and can't get there, yep. do you still have to get your contribution in? Right, and right. my answer is no. There's nothing about <laughs> having to give it on Sunday yep. only. Yep. Uh, if, Basically, Good if you, if you get yeah. paid monthly, if you get your Social Security check once a month, <laughs> that's when you give. Uh, it doesn't have to be in there. I know it's a good practice and good uh, discipline for us <laughs> to do it every week. Uh, but a lot of people these days use online giving. Yep, they yep. just sign up where it's deducted from their bank, and that's a good way to do it also. So yep. it's okay. not about the timing of it. It's about the, the giving factor. The other thing I'll say is when I look through the mail, some days I get the mail out of the mailbox and go through and every week almost I'll find uh, uh, some checks. Uh, I assume they're checks. I know they're checks. They're in an envelope from some of our shut-ins, some old widows that can't get out to church, and things like that. And they send their contribution in. And when I, I see that, that just you know gives me a good feeling. Yeah. As I, you know, that's a old saint that's still serving the way best she can or yeah. he can and uh, understands the principle. It's not a matter of do I have to do this. Right, right. I want to do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> next question, baptizing. What, what are the qualifications for baptizing someone? Uh, does it have to be a minister? And my answer is going to be really short on this because uh, the Bible just doesn't say anything about it. No, it doesn't have to be a minister. Uh, the examples in the Bible sometimes don't even mention uh, the baptizer. Uh, Paul himself said, uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't baptize a whole lot of you because then you'd think I was special some way. Uh, Paul let his helpers baptize people. Uh, he would do the teaching and then when somebody wanted to be baptized, one of Paul's helpers would baptize them evidently. Uh, so, no, it doesn't have to be a minister. Just 
no requirements like that in the Bible. I personally think it ought to be a spiritual person. I think it ought to be somebody that uh, understands what's going on and understands you and can make it a special event in some way. Uh, spirituality is important, but the answer is the Bible doesn't say. doesn't have to be a minister. Uh, might be a father or a uncle or a grandpa or something like that that really means something to to you. Uh, but Bible doesn't say, so the answer is no. Doesn't have to be a minister. All right, Toby. A uh, viewer wants to know what is the difference between judging and correcting your family, and then they reference a verse from First Corinthians four, verses one through five. And because of the limited amount of time, I'm not going to show that verse on the screen because it really does. If I understand the correct question correctly, 1 Corinthians 4, Paul there is sort of uh, helping the church at Corinth understand his rights as an apostle and uh, understanding his authority as an apostle and wh wh the, what his role was with the church there. And uh, he talked about judging and so forth. But that circumstance is a little bit different than what you describe of judging and correcting your family. Uh, I think, of course, <clears throat> parents have a responsibility to train up their children in the way that they should go, uh, to, to raise them and instruct them. That doesn't mean letting children raise themselves. You know, parents ought to be proactive. Now you can take that too far where children have no choice, never make any decisions, never receive any correction. Uh, they just do whatever makes them feel happy. <clears throat> and that is not uh, helpful either. The Bible talks about <clears throat> parents being able to train. And of course, that does require uh, some amount of judgment. You've got to use your brain. Uh, uh, junior comes in and, and uh, they're, you know, 10 minutes past curfew. Well, all right, uh, legalist says you're 10 minutes past curfew. You, you're going to be punished. You just broke the rule and that's it. No more. Uh, a discerning parent says, all right, well, tell me why were you late? Well, you know, I saw uh, there was a car accident on the road and I stopped to help. It looked like somebody was in trouble. And, and so I got there and helped them, made sure everything was okay, and then came on home. And I'm sorry I'm late. Well, a discerning parent says, okay. I understand that, and that's a reasonable uh, excuse, and so that's part of judging and correcting, and part of one of the things parents have to do. Uh, in the in terms of judging, we've just got to use God's standard. God, of course, is the ultimate judge. So we use this to make right judgments. Now, in the world today, the the modus operandi is no one should ever judge anyone about anything, and that's simply. <laughs> Uh, complete foolishness. There is uh, absolutely just to live every day. You have to make judgments about what's good, what's right, what's necessary. And so you've got to make judgments and certainly you do as a parent. You certainly do as you're in a family as well. So my principles are uh, start with God's word. Use that as the center of all your parenting decisions. Uh, do so with love and gentleness and patience, just like God parents his own children. Uh, and, uh, and always, of course, Set the example that you ought to set. If you tell your children to live by God's word and then you don't live by God's word, you're actually being harmful to God's word. Uh, I am going to read from Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, there's no perfect parents, there's no perfect people, but we do have to use judgments and uh, occasionally make corrections, and we try to do that within the principles of God's Word. All right, very good. <coughs> we'll take just a moment and offer you a good way to study the Bible at home. Uh, we 
we get a little bit of the Bible studied each week, but there's so much in there from God that uh, we think if you'd study a little bit at home each week, you'd learn a whole lot more about your Bible. So we've got some materials. Uh, they're absolutely free, and they're good ways to study the Bible. We get a lot of folks that uh, try to study the Bible by just sitting down and starting to read in Genesis 1-1, and uh, they do pretty good for a while, and some of them make it all the way through. Uh, but most get hung up and kind of slowed down in Leviticus and some of those <laughs> tough books and uh, pretty soon die out and don't study much longer. Uh, if you can do that, that's a good way to do it. But there are better ways. And we've got one here. This one, uh, course, that we see on the screen uh, starts with two real basic lessons, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So before you try to read the Old Testament, read this little booklet, and it'll tell you what the Old Testament's about. It'll summarize it for you, give you the big picture, uh, teach you who wrote it and how and when and all that. There's great information in there, interesting reading, and got a few questions at the end for you to answer to make sure you got what they were talking about. Uh, send that back to us, and we'll send you lesson number two with uh, more interesting things about the New Testament, and then you just go right on, keep studying. Well, when you graduate from this first course, there are eight lessons. Uh, we've got a handsome certificate that we'll get to you, and uh, we're proud of you for finishing that first course. Then we've got more advanced courses. You can keep right on studying Know Your Bible, uh, studying the Bible with Know Your Bible study tools for a long time. So phone number, website are on the screen. Use them anytime you want. Tell us you'd like that free course, and we'll get it started for you. All right, uh, question Bible. What does the Bible teach on swearing. What does the Bible teach on swearing? I'm going to give you a straight Bible answer. I'm just going to show you some verses and let you see here pretty soon what it says on swearing. First, let me cover this one. Some people call swearing using God's name in vain. Uh, one of the Ten Commandments is don't use God's name in vain. Vain means without purpose or uh, without thinking about it. Uh, so if, we, if you use the God's name, just throw it around frequently or put it with curses and other things and just think it's a figure of speech, well, you're violating that one. Don't, don't use God's name in vain. That's serious business. But generally what we think of when we think of swearing is two other things. One is coarse talk, uh, let's call it obscenities, profanity, uh, something that if you had to write down what you said, uh, for a third grade class, you'd have to put a whole lot of blankety-blankety's in it uh, because you can't say those things. So obscenities, course talk, let's see what the Bible teaches on that. And that's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. But among you, among Christians, now I understand the world's going to talk with profanity, but this is for Christians. Among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather you should be giving thanksgiving. So what's the Bible teach? Among Christians, no obscenity, no dirty jokes, no coarse talking. Uh, it, I mean, it says it specifically right there. Christians don't talk like that. Okay, the other kind of swearing that we sometimes think about is swearing to tell the truth or using an oath uh, saying that I swear by something that I'm telling you the truth. Okay, here's what the Bible teaches about that, what Jesus said. It's in Matthew chapter 5. But I say to you 
do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Okay, so Jesus says, don't take oaths to prove that you're telling the truth. Just be so honest that when you say yes, that settles it. When you say no, that settles it. Now, let me explain just a little bit. All of us are familiar with people that they, they lie so much that they have to swear <laughs> to tell you that this time I'm telling the truth. You know, I promise. I, I swear uh, on my mother's grave that I'm telling the truth. You know, I, I swear by this or by that. And they just keep elevating it to make you believe that they're telling the truth. Uh, God says that's not the way Christians do business. If Christians say yes, they mean yes. If they say no, they mean no. And they don't need to prove it with any kind of taking an oath or swearing by elevated things. Just tell the truth all the time. So, whichever you're thinking about in this swearing, uh, there's what the Bible teaches for Christians. We talk differently. We uh, are honest differently. And I hope that helps you understand about swearing. All right, Toby. All right, a medical doctor is asking a question here, a little pressure, and wants to know what the Bible says about marijuana. Well, uh, if you'll read through the pages of Scripture, you'll never find the word marijuana mentioned. Uh, as, as with many cases, there are specific things. Uh, and, another example is the Internet. You know, that's not mentioned in Scripture. Uh, there's a lot of things that, as you go through the Bible, uh, it gives us timeless principles and commands. And from that, we uh, derive w how we should act and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And so since we can't find the specific word or command concerning marijuana, uh, we have to use some principles and ask ourselves, uh, is it violating or is it within the lines of these principles? Uh, first is uh, Romans 13 verse 1 tells us that Christians should be peaceful and submissive to the laws of the land. Now, there are the exception to that being if God, uh, if uh, human beings produce a law that is against God's word, it specifically violates what his word says to do. But on the other stuff, you know, how much you pay in taxes or um, how your local leaders are elected, you know, you have to obey what the laws are, whether it's the speed limit or any other thing. Uh, Christians ought to obey the laws of the land. Now, concerning marijuana, you probably know the laws are in flux, causing a lot of problems. Of course, we produce this program from Kansas, and uh, we have uh, laws that are currently set where marijuana is illegal. So Christians definitely ought to pay attention to that and not disregard that. What about places where it's been uh, legalized, so to speak? Well, we have some other principles we have to think about. <clears throat> uh, one is taking care of your body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 tell us that the, the temple, the body is the temple of God. Of course, the temple back in the Old Testament was a building, was a, a place you went to. And in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit resides within you. And so your body is, is a, a holy vessel because it contains a holy spirit that guides and directs the lives of the Christians. So we ought to take care of it. Uh, that means eating right, exercising, as a medical doctor would know. It also means not putting poisons into it and things that are going to harm it. You look into marijuana, you'll see that there's a lot of carcinogens and things that cause cancer and all sorts of other health problems. 
that, you know, from any reasonable-minded person would say, that's not a good thing to put into your body. Um, you know, uh, cigarettes are a, an example. They're legal, you know. Uh, the law allows you, technically, if you're an adult, to smoke them. Uh, but as a doctor, you know that those are very, very poisonous. There's some bad stuff that comes when you roll up tiny little tobacco leaves and, and set them on fire and inhale the smoke into your body. You get a lot of stuff that shouldn't be there. Uh, the third principle is, uh, and this particularly is true with marijuana, is that Christians are to be self-controlled and alert. And um, anyone under the influence of marijuana is far from self-controlled and alert. In fact, that's probably the far opposite of self-controlled and alert. So I think that's a big one that it violates. And then, of course, as a Christian, we ought to set a good example for others. And, of course, I don't think uh, doing that, <clears throat> participating in that behavior sets a good example. So those are some principles that we get uh, from Scripture uh, concerning drug use and specifically as you ask about marijuana. Let's look at one on the screen from Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So while the words never mention the principles of uh, whether marijuana is helpful uh, and appropriate for the Christian, definitely are there. All righty. Thank you. <coughs> A question about two names are Muhammad or Allah mentioned in the Bible? My answer is no, neither one of them are mentioned in the Bible. Now, Muhammad is a character that lived, uh, born about 570, died about 630, somewhere in there, uh, 600 years after the Bible was written, so he's certainly not mentioned by name. Uh, he might be, you might think he's mentioned as, in a general way as a false teacher. You might qualify it that way, but no, not uh, specifically, not by name anywhere in the Bible. And Allah or Allah, some people say that uh, that's just the Muslim term for Jehovah God, the very same God as we worship. Uh, that may be true, uh, but not from Muhammad's teachings. Uh, I don't believe that it is the same God as Jehovah, and he is not mentioned by name either. He may be mentioned generically as a false god. Uh, perhaps the moon god might be a pretty close uh, guess of what he was, but uh, neither one of them mentioned Old or New Testament either place. We take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you uh, because the Churches of Christ are who present this program for you. The Northside Church of Christ in Wichita, Kansas produces it and uh, broadcasts it, but we get a lot of support from other Churches of Christ, and that's one reason we don't ever ask for money on this program. Uh, we've got good supporters all over the country that help us stay on the air, and one we like to mention today is the one in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, Water Mill Church of Christ out on Barn Street in their new building. They've been in a few years now. Uh, but a great group of people there. Uh, been a supporter of ours for, since very early on. Uh, when we started broadcasting in Missouri, they saw the benefit of it and started helping us. We appreciate them. And uh, if you're looking for a, a church home, I know you'd be warmly welcome there at Water Mill. Uh, drop in and see them sometime. Or if you just know somebody at work that goes to Water Mill, you might tell them, hey, I watch that program, Know Your Bible. I enjoy it, and I'm glad you keep it on the air for me. Thank them. Uh, let them know you're watching. But wherever you're viewing the program from, it's probably a Church of Christ near you. Uh, they'd welcome you warmly if you dropped in and said hi and told them that you watched the program. 
All right, church question, Toby. Yep, church question. If you were asked, is a small church with no elders or deacons still a scriptural church? My answer to that is yes. Uh, of course, a church, we sometimes misconstrue the idea of a, a large group of people or a, a building or so forth. The church is just uh, any uh, the called out, any person who follows Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. If there's one, two, or 2,000, uh, you've got a church. And the church is that collection of be they few or many of God's people. And, of course, the leadership, as described in the New Testament, was always under just the authority of that local little group. Now, <clears throat> the problem is sometimes you, uh, in the New Testament, the leadership is described as autonomous. And so each church has appoints local elders and deacons and gives us the qualifications for who those men should be. But it doesn't tell us how to do it, and it doesn't tell us what size is appropriate. And I think that's because sometimes you might have a group of uh, a couple hundred people that there's just no one qualified to really lead that group. And in those cases, usually they just have a men's meeting or something like that where uh, anyone who wants to come can come and help make decisions uh, that need to be made. Um, but there were certainly in the New Testament churches that existed that did not have a governing group of elders, uh, didn't have a, a group of deacons that served, uh, and that there were we know there were cases like that. Paul told Titus, <clears throat> uh, as I uh, appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So there must have been places where there were no elders. And Paul's saying, if you can find men, and he goes on to describe the qualifications in uh, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, and also in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, if you can find men who meet these qualifications, then appoint them as elders. So the principle is that if you can find them, then it's good to have leadership. Uh, if you don't have them, you still can uh, serve under the leaders of the local church until you such a time where you can find elders uh, who are qualified and willing to serve. Uh, let's read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Uh, Hebrew writer writes, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So I hope that helps a little bit. There's no exact number of what uh, church size must be before you can have elders, and if that Alrighty. makes you scriptural. All righty, let's squeeze one more in. Was Jacob's marriage <laughs> arranged? I'm not sure why the viewer asked that, but uh, I'm going to answer, yes, it was sort of arranged. It wasn't arranged down to the specific person, but it was arranged. And let's read the answer from Genesis 28, verses 1 and 2. Isaac called for Jacob, Isaac was the daddy, Jacob the son, and blessed him and commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padam Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel, and take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So it was arranged to that degree. Isaac said, go to your uncle Laban's house. He's got a bunch of daughters. Marry one of those. That'll be the best for you. Uh, of course, we know the rest of the story. Laban was a little bit tricky and uh, kind of messed poor old Jacob up. But Jacob finally ended up with the wife he wanted, Rachel. And uh, in that sense, it was arranged. So there were some arranged marriages in the Bible of what our viewers checking out. Uh, let's take time to answer our uh, trivia question today. And it was, what mother brought her son a coat each year? 
Uh, that was Hannah and her son Samuel. Hannah took him and gave him to Eli, but every year she visited him and brought him a new set of clothes, and uh, he served God all his life. We're glad you've been with us today. We hope that you'll be back next week on uh, Know Your Bible as we try to answer some more of your questions. Until then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.